A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. The Zone. Being with you makes us happy as pigs in mud. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Oh, and we're going to have mud around Wisconsin if this forecast holds. Morning, everybody. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee. Glad to be along with you the final Monday of February. Today, it looks like we are going to warm up. Precipitation in the forecast, but we should hit highs today near 40 degrees, maybe even a touch above in some areas. Tomorrow, 40 degrees. Wednesday, 40 degrees. Thursday, 40 degrees. Friday, 39. That's why we said really good chance that there's going to be a lot of muddy, slushy spots around the state of Wisconsin. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist will put on the hip waders and tell us what he sees coming. He's up in about 15 minutes or so. We're also talking a little bit about trends in the growing season of 2023. You know, there's been a little bit of a pivotal change in how dairy operations are feeding their dairy cattle. Obviously, they're always looking for the least cost inputs and still maintaining top top production quality. But many times they're not investing in alfalfa, instead looking at alternatives. That was a big conversation topic during the recent Midwest Forge Association's winter convention last week up in Wisconsin Dells. Charity Seebecker was there and she's going to follow up with us this morning. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. It's that time of year. Maple syrup producers are getting ready for that perfect sugaring temperature. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Steve Anderson is the third generation operating Anderson Maple Syrup in Cumberland. They package about four to 5,000 gallons a week of maple syrup for several area producers, and then they ship it all over the United States. Steve is also the president of the Wisconsin Maple Syrup Producers Association. He's got a great perspective on harvest yield predictions and consumer demand. He starts with a status report on what's happening in the woods. The big producers, those, those people that can't go out today and tap their trees and gather the sap tomorrow because they're, they're too big, it takes them two or three weeks to get everything ready to go. Most of those places have started across the state and actually across the country. And so they're probably shooting to be done and ready to go by the end of February. Um, maybe some of them are probably closer to being done than others. It's kind of like any kind of farming. Some people are more on the ball than others. It's a difficult year to know. We got so much snow early this part of the state, and so we never got a lot of frost in the ground. And then other parts of the state, they're over by Green Bay. They have no snow at all on the ground, and they've, they're actually gathered a little bit of sap. I don't think they've cooked anything yet because I think it's just a very small amount. Generally, when sap comes early in the year like this, you know, before March, it tends to be a little bit thinner, not quite as sweet, and so it takes more cooking and Sometimes it's not worth gathering at that point, but then as the season really starts to go and things start to thaw out the ground, any little frost that is in the ground does come out. That helps That helps with the trees producing more sap and, and moving it through their system. So when I think of gathering sap, I always think of March, but February's been 
the month to do it recently? Yeah, it's for the large producers. The large producers that take several weeks, their goal generally is to be ready. This year, I'm guessing most of their goals is to be ready by the 1st of March. A lot of times, it's more like the middle of March. The seasons are getting earlier every year. Um, Last year was more fit into what we would call an average season, where the first in our area, at least the first production was around the 20th of March, 20 to 25th of March for the first production. And then it went, you know, the rest of March and all of April or most of April. And that, and last year was a really good year. There was a lot of syrup produced last year. And now this year we're kind of getting back to that, what looks like could be an early season. And that doesn't always bode well for the crop. Help us understand when are conditions right? What is the, the perfect weather for tapping trees and collecting sap? There's two answers to that question. Tapping trees has always been, especially for those guys that take several weeks to get everything tapped and ready to go, it's always had to be a little bit of a guess. And with new processes like the tubing systems with vacuum on them, they can tap earlier and not have any problems with their trees holes sealing up because they're sealed tight with a with a system that's not allowing bacteria to get into the tree. Where the old type metal spout, you drill your hole in the tree, you put the metal spout in, now that that hole is still kind of open to the air because it can pass through that metal spout into the tree and that allows bacteria and that bacteria is what causes the tree to heal up. When we put a tubing system on the tree, it's sealed and the tubing is sealed all the way through the system so it's much more difficult for that bacteria to get in the tree for it to heal. So the tree, the tap hole will stay fresh longer. And so the big producers will tap early and then make sure they're ready when the season gets here rather than wait until the last possible minute to have the freshest tap holes they can have and then miss the first week or two of season because they waited too long. Somebody that's a hobbyist, you know, I always say you kind of watch the weather. You look out about a week ahead, make sure that you've got temperatures that are well above freezing You know, 33 degrees, 34 degrees, most of the time isn't enough to get the trees to run, especially at the beginning of the year. So you're looking for something where you're hitting a 40. And then we want it to freeze hard at night. But in order for the sap to actually run, the trees also have to be ready. You know, and part of that is the sun has to be higher in the sky. There needs to be a little bit more heat coming off the sun, which in February, we're still in a pretty cold month. So generally, there's not a lot of syrup made in February. But like I said, it's getting sooner. So 1st of March is not unusual where it used to be the 15th of March was kind of the the go day. So as you start seeing, we talk about donuts being created around the base of a tree. That's the snow around the base of the tree is melting away. So you kind of have that your roots are starting to get exposed. That's usually a sign when that starts to happen that we're getting close. So then you look at the forecast and say, yep, there's Looks like there's four or five days coming of 40s and 15 at night. That's perfect conditions. It's time to go out and get our trees tapped. Now, if you just have one of those days in the forecast, it's going to get to 40, and then the rest of the week it's going to be below freezing and never thaw out again. Then you maybe want to wait till that cycle comes around and it's a little more consistent. But the big producers can't afford to wait for that last minute, so that's why they're out there now preparing, getting ready for the sap when it does come. Well, so what are you hearing now in terms of production predictions from either Wisconsin or across the country? How are yields expected to turn out this year? That is kind of the million-dollar question. (laughs) If I could answer that correctly every year, I wouldn't be in this business. 
um, it, it comes down to, you know, what does history tell us about seasons? Um, there's a lot of, there's not a lot of snow coverage. Oh, southern half of Wisconsin, um, and even when you get out east, there's there's not as much in those southern areas. The snow coverage isn't there, and the frost didn't go as deep as normally does sometimes that frost in the ground will help keep the tree roots cool in hot days if you get too many hot days too soon that and that will help extend the season so we're probably people that dare to make a prediction think that this year could potentially be a little bit lower production year Um, but it really matters what weather we have once sap starts running until it ends it only takes about 10 good days to make a good crop Last year, I think there was, you know, 15 to 20 good days of making syrup. So that's why it was such a good crop last year. But if you have 10 perfect weather days, that can make and break break your season or your crop. The expectation is the southern areas probably won't do as well this year because they don't have the snow cover, but uh, where most of the syrup is made in the state, the potential is still there to have an average crop. On the processing and shipping side of things, how has has the supply chain eased up when it comes to getting bottles or, or packaging or, or tubing? What are you seeing on your end? Yeah, I, I've talked to the equipment manufacturers that are making equipment for the maple industry, and, and things are getting better. There still are some restrictions. It's almost like the auto industry. You know, you can't get your evaporator quite as quick as you used to, just like you can't get your car quite as quick as you used to but it's getting better. Some of those prices are coming down a little bit. It's pretty minimal, not enough that people are talking about it, but there's we're seeing some downward pressure on some pricing. Containers, caps, labels, things like that. Other than they've gone up in price, for the most part, they're still readily available. There's always that odd container or odd item that is sometimes hard to find, but that all seems to be getting better. Costs are still up but they are stabilizing and i don't think i think it's kind of like the economy in the us uh, hopefully the inflation is slowing and that seems to be affecting us just like everybody else it's kind of stopping the those increases from coming through what are you hearing or what are you seeing when it comes to consumer demand for maple syrup it's a qu- tricky question right now i i don't have a great answer during covid uh, we saw a lot of well, and just following COVID, we saw a lot of people really looking at their local producers and buying local and going to farmer's markets. And I think the trend is maybe shifting back to the more traditional way of, if you call it traditional, buying stirrup in, in the grocery store or, or a situation like that. But people are also being a little bit cautious. I think maple syrup is still considered a luxury item for a lot of folks. You know, as money gets a little tight with everything else costing a little bit more, including maple syrup, sales aren't, I don't want to say they're bad, but I think they're they're kind of just holding their own. They're, they're on the verge of going backwards, but we're still slowly moving forward. Steve, anything else you wanted to add about maybe the 2023 outlook for maple syrup producers before I let you go? You know, the, the outlook is, is always with any commodity crop. It, you never know. Um, there was a lot of syrup made last year, so there will not be a shortage this year. And what that does to the farmer price, we don't yet know. There is some talk that it may go down a little bit, and that may affect store prices. It may not. That's the word from Steve Anderson, president of the Wisconsin Maple Syrup Producers Association. He welcomes anyone interested in maple syrup to visit wismaple.org. He says the association is always looking for new member producers. 
From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Stephanie Hoff. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals. Then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank. Timely decisions. People you know. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers, like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment, tomsautocenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter, fix, getter, done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Oconomowoc. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I have a sneaky suspicion that when it comes to covering all of my kitchen floor, it's going to be mud this week. Let's check in with our Compure Financial Ag Weather Updates. Tumacher Ag Meteorologist along with us. I knew it as soon as, as, soon as it started warming up yesterday. I thought to myself... I got to get some towels out because the hounds, they're going to be tracking this week. Everybody is. I can just hear my mother's voice resonating in my head from when they used to come in from the barn. Get out of here with the muddy boots. <laughs> oh, I tell you. So uh, it is what it is. It's not, uh, it's not snow, but there is a little mixture going on out there for some folks, isn't there? There's a mix, yeah, and I'd look up toward Mauston and a bit further north to see that little mix of rain, snow, and sleet. For the most part, we're talking about rain with weather radar this morning indicating rain from southern Minnesota, northern eastern Iowa, across the southwest, almost third of Wisconsin, not quite pushing into the Fond du Lac area, but already into Beaver Dam. We all have some of that precipitation that's going to be in store. We also have to mention that there is a winter weather advisory till noon today. That includes Fond du Lac and Mauston, not La Crosse, but that winter weather advisory is right there in Monroe County into Jackson, Tremplo, and Buffalo County as well. Excuse me, Jackson County is under a winter storm warning and up into the central part of the state. A little more likely they may talk about some icing up there and icing of a tenth to maybe even a quarter of an inch of possibility in central Wisconsin. 
So we're going to have to watch where we're at with this one. Think about it. The ground temperature a little below freezing, even yet this morning. Rain builds in. What does it do? It's going to freeze on here and there, and you're going to find slippery spots. So we have to be alert and cautious today. Low pressure is moving from Iowa. It should pass just into far northeast parts of Illinois by early tomorrow. As it pulls away, we talk about the end of precipitation. Temperatures have moderated. They've warmed up overnight, and they stay pretty mild for today. Not cooling much overnight or even into the day tomorrow. Still sounding pretty good. Near normal temperatures right on through midweek. Another small disturbance from the west is going to bring a possibility of late Tuesday night or just into Wednesday. A little rain, some snow, maybe a brief period of sleet. Not going to amount to much, but a little bit of a, another covering just as we make our way out into midweek. And through the rest of the week, it may cool somewhat, but nothing drastic. And it does look a little drier, even as we look ahead on toward next week. So we just have to be ready today for rain. Rain amounts from La Crosse to Mauston could be in that up to near one or one and a half inches. And I'd expect that to be pretty common right on through Madison, Beaver Dam, Fond du Lac, and up into the Fox Valley. Some pretty wet weather is going to be in store on this Monday. I'll have forecast details right after this. Take a trip to the grocery store and you'll pay record high prices for food while multinational corporations rake in massive profits. Meanwhile, the farmer's share of the food dollar is only 15 cents. Farmers Union is fighting for laws in the Farm Bill, like a competition title that promote fair markets. A healthy and vibrant food system is possible, but we can't get there without fairness for farmers. Visit fairnessforfarmers.org, paid for by National Farmers Union. Explore the West with me. I'm Pam Yonke, inviting you to join us on our next agriculture adventure, August 14th through the 23rd, Glacier, Yellowstone, and Grand Tetons, the ultimate Northern Rockies tour with agricultural highlights that take us to a hops farm, a cattle ranch, and a dairy farm. Visit HolidayVacations.com, keyword Pam, to learn more about this tour and watch a travel show, or call 888 557 10:24 brochure. All righty, Stu, let's have some more details on what we should expect this week, huh? All right, we'll let winter weather advisory till noon for Fond du Lac and Mauston, and I expect we're in for a cloudy day with some rain, showers, maybe even a thunderstorm. Could be a little sleet mixing in here from time to time. Lacrosse to Mauston, be on the alert this morning. Otherwise, a pretty mild and breezy day. A lot of upper 30s, 40, maybe a warm spot at Madison. And east winds, a good 10 to 20, become north this afternoon. Could gust near 35 or 40. Rain amounts, like I've said, upwards of an inch to an inch and a half. Maybe a little heavier right at Madison. Overnight, the rain ends. Mostly cloudy skies. We drop down to around 30 or just into the upper 20s. And the northwest winds will be at 5 to 15, gusting to 30, diminishing late in the nighttime. A partly sunny day Tuesday. Not all bad. Upper 30s and low 40s. Northwest winds at 5 to 15. But late Tuesday night, a little rain. Could be a rain-snow mix late, lasting into early Wednesday. Not accumulating to much of anything. You know, good dusting if we get some sloppy wet snow. Temps in the upper 30s, maybe a low 40 in the south. East winds 5 to 10 become north. So not a lot of cleanup from snow or anything, Pam, but I think some pretty wet, sloppy conditions, especially on through today. <laughs> you see, you're right there. And uh, I don't see any, you know, drying out real hap- happening real fast. No, uh, those cooler temperatures at the end of the week may freeze it up. Maybe Eek. some freeze drying if we're lucky. Yeah, that's a good point. Take it easy if you're out there this morning because that that water on top of some of that ice isn't good for people walking or people driving. That's right. All right, dude. Catch you tomorrow. Thanks, Stu.
All right, see you. Stu Makar, Ag Meteorologist, with those weather details, all, to you, all brought to you courtesy of our friends of Compure Financial. Compure Financial is your partner when it comes to rural financing. Find out more, talk to your local loan officers, get some advice at Compure.com. Stick around on a Monday. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When it comes to custom jewelry, get to know your Denny's jeweler. The way Denny's works custom is based on emotions and it's based on the clients, what they are feeling and wanting and looking for. And eventually it evolves into this piece of art. I'm Nick Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop, that's your brakes crying for help. At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Stop by for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes are talking to you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. We want you to be able to trust your brakes. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Some of America's bravest warriors are returning home wounded. Here's one of them. My name is Norberto Lara. While I was on a combat patrol, a rocket propelled grenade took my arm off at the shoulder. I was discharged from the Army, and I've been working with the Wounded Warrior Project since 2007. You don't have to be severely wounded. A lot of guys have post-traumatic stress disorder. Being able to share your story kind of helps you wrap your mind around what did happen over there. My name is Norby, and yes, I do suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm okay. Don't suffer in silence. Contact WoundedWarriorProject.org. 
Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flaps. Carbon World Health offers MSculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. MSculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They take forever to return your call. When they do show up, they leave your house a mess, and then they throw in weird surprises. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who does return your calls, leaves your property clean, and never any awkward surprises. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. Giannis Adendokounmpo is listed as doubtful. He has been back at practice the last two days, and he's got tape on his right wrist. It's light tape. It's not, it's not taped up big time. And he's been practicing, uh, practicing, shooting free throws, doing all kinds of stuff. I don't think he's going to be playing tonight. But coming back into the lineup, Bobby Portis, who was injured for a while, so you get Bobby, 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 Chris Middleton back, and then I think we're going to get the season debut of one Jay Crowder. I don't know. Hey, I've been kind of missing the Bucks over this break here, and they'll put that 12-game win streak uh, to the test tonight. Our guy Dave Essler, though, was kind of leaning, and he's just doing it through the, uh, the eyes of making money. He was leaning with the Miami Heat, also wanted to take the under, saying that they got a little revenge on their brain. And it's going to be a lot of Jimmy Buckets, as it usually is with the Heat. I don't think uh, Tyler Hero is a little banged up for the Heat. Don't get me started on him. And the, his time is taking pictures as a Wisconsin Badgers before he dipped for Kentucky. Uh, good on him for getting his money. Uh, but Rowdy, Bucks back. No Giannis. How big of a blow? I mean, obviously it's a big blow, but, well, he's doubtful. I don't, I don't think he's going to be playing. What do you think of the Bucks and, uh, what, a half game behind the Celtics for first place of the East? Is first place really that big of a thing? I think it. It is, but it isn't. And why I say it is, is because last year we saw the Bucks and the Celtics were arguably two of the most talented teams in the East. They met in the conference semifinals and Boston won. It went seven games. Final game was in Boston. That seventh game would have been nicer if it would have been in Milwaukee. Now, I know the Bucks were missing Middleton and they had a huge hit without having Chris Middleton yeah. being the guy that's supposed to be your number two. So on the surface, I really don't think it means a ton because if the Bucks are 100% healthy, it's one of the best teams in the NBA. Definitely. But if anything comes up in the next two months, it would be nice to have that game at home if you did have to have a game seven True. against a Celtics team. Because I really do think, and again, I'm a casual NBA fan. I feel like the East is two teams. It's the Bucks. it's the Celtics. Yeah. And... 
if it did go down to a seventh game, you would want it in Milwaukee over Boston Cor- again. No uh, other, that's that's the only team that I would fear a game seven if you had to go on the road. Yeah. I, I, get, I don't fear any other team in the East if I'm the Bucks. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, the Bucks are one game back now. So you have the 76ers at third. Uh, they won last night. They came from behind to beat the Grizz. John Morant, uh, Joel Embiid had a huge block. It was pretty electric. You have the Cavaliers sitting at fourth. Uh, they just bought out Kevin Love. Love went to the Heat, right? Uh, did the Heat sign Love? Yep. Yeah, Kevin yep. Love's now on the Heat. You have the Nets, who, I mean, that's experiment has failed. Uh, I mean, it's all disbanded now. What is Ben Simmons left in, in Brooklyn? Good luck. Then there's the Knicks at six. What, the Heat are seventh. The Hawks are eighth. The Raptors are ninth. They have the Wizards at tenth. And then outside of that, it's Bulls, Pacers, Magic Hornets, Pistons. Who cares? So, I mean, yeah, you have the Celtics and the Bucks. The 76ers do pose some. I would give them somewhat of a threat, but what do we know about the 76ers? That the trust the process thing is throw that out in like yesterday's newspaper. I mean, Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid, yeah. Now, James Harden is Mr. Flop. He is he can score, obviously. That 76ers team, we'll see. Uh, out in the West, though, I mean, you look at the Suns. They just got Kevin Durant. Uh, they're sitting fifth. You got the Nuggets, though. First, Grizz second, Kings third, Clippers fourth, and Clippers just got Russell Westbrook. That's <laughs> good luck. But yeah, I mean, look at the East. Okay, but, or the West, excuse me. Okay, but we're more focused on the East. It is, the, it is Rowdy, like you said, the Celtics and the Bucks. And how can uh, they navigate the rest of the season, especially with an injured Giannis? I was looking at Bleacher Report. They say one, it was uh, every NBA, uh, biggest, every NBA's team's biggest question down the stretch. And the one that they get for the Bucks is Chris Middleton himself again. The Bucks steamrolled into the break with 12 consecutive victories. Giannis got the wrist injury. Uh, assuming that the ailment is not to worry about, you know, Milwaukee has no major concerns. But is Chris Middleton, will he be able to be the Chris Middleton of years I don't past? know. Again, being a casual NBA fan, I, I said when you look at the East, I feel like it's a two-team race in Boston and Milwaukee. Yeah, the 76ers are only a few games behind. But what do we know about the 76ers? They find a way to fail. Yes. Also, Joel Embiid, for how great of a player he is, when him and Giannis or him and Brooke Lopez play, he's always complaining because he's having a tough time. It's not the best matchup for him. Mm. You look at the West. He's a whiner. Are there really any great teams? I know you have the Nuggets. Because we know your barn smells like money. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Yeah, we might get some interesting smells this week. Temperatures are going to improve compared to last week. We do have a precipitation in the forecast today. Kind of depends on where you are and the form it will come. Today's daytime highs expected to be around 40 degrees. Tomorrow, around 40 degrees. Wednesday, around 40 degrees. Thursday, 40 degrees. Friday, another chance of rain. 39, Saturday, 38. So actually a pretty manageable week compared to last week. Do want to remind you, this is the 27th day of February. This week, we've got a couple pending deadlines. If you've got a high school senior that wants to apply for the Wisconsin Rural Opportunities Foundation scholarships, they've got about $13,000 available. Uh, March 1st is the deadline for that. We're talking about that with uh, Sue Schultz, who is one of the board members with the Wisconsin Rural Opportunities Foundation. Stick around for that. And also don't forget, Wednesday, March 1st, the deadline for submitting your applications for the Century Sesquicentennial Farm and Home Recognition. 
at uh, Wisconsin State Fair. It's not a difficult application, but it is one. If you are going to be sending it in, you better start it today. We've got a downloadable link available on our website now, MidwestFarmReport.com. Just look for our Century Sesquicentennial Story section. I'm Pam Yonke, by the way, so happy that you're along with us. Like I said, the last day of, uh, last Monday of February, on this day in 1904, the second state capitol burns to the ground in Madison. The evening of the 26th, the generator was turned off for the night. The only lights visible were two gas jets serving the night watchman. At about 2 a.m., a night watchman smelled smoke, followed the odor, and found out that a varnished ceiling was already in flames. Basically, there wasn't much they could do about it. Governor Robert LaFollette was uh, in charge at the time. He telegraphed fire departments in Milwaukee and Janesville to ask for assistance. It was all lost. They estimated it to be about a million dollars lost on that date in 1904. On this day in 1969, University of Wisconsin students rioted on the UW-Madison campus. Thousands of students rampaged through nine campus buildings protesting low black enrollment numbers. That happened on this day in 1969. On this day in 1932, the neutron is discovered. An English physicist named James Chadwick uh, is the one that discovered the neutron and ultimately was awarded the Nobel Prize for the discovery. And happy birthdays. Can you believe it? Joanne Woodward, the uh, wife, I guess widow, of Steve McQueen celebrating her 92nd birthday today. Happy birthday, Joanne. And now you know. Well, like I said, we want you to know that there is an effort in Wisconsin to try to help young people not only pursue their education, but also come back to rural communities. It's always been the goal of Wisconsin's Rural Opportunities Foundation. Now, it's something you may not have heard a lot about, but in reality, the group stretches back to the Great Depression when it started to work towards keeping a population in rural communities. I talked about it with Sue Schultz. She is one of their board members and explains the results they've been able to see. We did. We're just actually, Pam, uh, discovered and put together a spreadsheet of our winners back to 1934, and I was quite honored to be to look through that name, and I was the names, even your past agricultures that have been um, veterinarians that are well-known, again, many, many of our rural leaders have been recipients of WROF premier scholarships, or, or different scholarship programs. You are definitely right. We have impacted the agriculture community tremendously in helping people further their education, including short course. We've done a lot, a lot of work with the short course scholarship programs for our production agriculture, all the way up to helping people, some of our, like I said, veterinarians, uh, bachelor, master's, PhDs. We give a, every technical school in Wisconsin in 2022 and 2023 again, and every public and private school benefit from our funding. Well, we hope that you will sincerely take a look at those scholarship opportunities that are available. Like they said, looking for 100 high school scholarship applicants before the deadline, which is March 1st, already coming up on Wednesday, March 1st. Simple to apply. Just go to WROF.org. The scholarship application is right on the front page, and you will find that it's probably not going to take you a tremendous amount of time to at least get your name in the hat for some of those fantastic scholarships. Again, WROF. Org. Thanks again to Sue Schultz, who is one of the board members with the Wisconsin Rural Opportunities Foundation. The 
weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey! Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting real. But the HPPD resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! Yellowstone, Glacier National Park, and the Grand Tetons. That's where we're headed next on our agriculture adventure. Hi, everybody. I'm PM Yankee, inviting you to join us August 14th through the 23rd. We'll start in Montana, where we make our first agriculture stop at Big Sky Orchards and take a tour of this family-run hops farm. In Glacier National Park, we board classic red vintage touring cars for an exciting drive along the park's famous Going to the Sun Road. Later, we spend time in both Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. National Parks, taking in the magnificent beauty. In Wyoming, we visit Mead Ranch, where the Mead family has raised cattle on the same land in Jackson Hole for over 100 years. And lastly, we stop at the Monk Family Farm, a dairy located in Utah's beautiful Cache Valley. Visit HolidayVacations.com keyword PAM to learn more about this tour and watch a travel show. Or call 888-557-1020 for a free brochure. I'd love to have you join us. Yeah, we're already taking reservations for that great farm tour coming up in August. More at MidwestFarmReport.com. All right, markets on Friday in Chicago. Barrel cheese dropped two and three quarter cents to 154. 40 pound block cheese was down seven at 188. Double A butter on Friday, a nickel stronger, 243 a pound. Now, all of our commodities, as well as Wall Street, ended the week in negative territory. I think people are a little nervous about what's going on with China and Russia and what's going on with us, Taiwan. Uh, we'll wait and see what develops this week. December corn on Friday dropped nine and a quarter cents to five seventy six and a quarter. November beans were down thirteen and three quarter cents at thirteen seventy four. Uh, the wheat market also very volatile because of those announcements. It dropped twenty seven cents on July to seven twenty nine and a quarter. March milk was down four at seventeen seventy two. April milk down nineteen at seventeen fifty five a hundredweight. In the equity sales barns last week, just to give you cattle producers an update, we saw the finished beef steers ranging 136 to 159 a pound. Holstein steers generally 115 to 140. Market cows 64 to 85 cents a pound. Holstein bull calves last week $200 and down. The heifer calves $40 and down. Those beef and beef cross calves $365 and down. Sometimes I forget to talk about it. Our website, MidwestFarmReport.com, not only does it provide you with all the news headlines, it also gives you a great chance to listen back to some of the wonderful conversations that we've had as a team. I'm just taking a look at the playback list now. You can listen to comments from some of our FFA officers, last week being National FFA Week. You know, that tough weather we had last week not only took a toll on us, and our animals, but also potentially your evergreens, your fruit trees, things like that. Stephanie Hoff's got a great story updating you on that. And we also take a look at things like the Dairy Girls Network. It's all available to you anytime that you want to listen in on our podcast. All available at MidwestFarmReport.com. And don't forget about our downloadable app you can take with you anywhere. You'll find that at TheFarmWI.com. TheFarmWI.com. I'm getting out of the way. Charity's in next with a conversation from the Midwest Forage Association. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
Wisconsin Farm Bureau leadership opportunities have benefited me in multiple ways. Right now, I'm a member of the Farm Bureau Leadership Institute, and I always thought I was a good public speaker. And then we went through some of that training in our very first session, and I had these aha moments that I'm going to use when I am promoting agriculture to consumer groups. WFBF.com. You should reach out to them. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. Dedicated to researching and promoting the value of the forage industry, the Midwest Forage Association helps to educate farmers on methods that would make them more profitable in their practices with a focus on forages. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. Chelsea Russell, the local council director for the Midwest Forage Association, explains more about the research that they do and how they benefit not only farmers, but the community. So we are the Midwest Forage Association, which means we are the regional forage association that represents farmers and related industry members in Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, Iowa. Our goal is to help generate information through research and help educate farmers on methods that would make them more profitable or more productive in their practices. Um, And then we take a focus on forages, which is something that is not often focused on by other associations. So we're specifically looking at the forage aspects that go into feeding our livestock. So speaking of looking at those specific examples, what research are you doing to help benefit your association and your farmers? Midwest Forage Association, we do run the Midwest Forage Association Research Program. And so that is a pool of funds that MFA controls. Um, we are able to give it out to our researchers within our um, member states, and it is going to projects that our farmers think would help them on a local level. So we are able to fund a lot of extension agents who help with our different local councils and uh, uh, university researchers as well. And the topics that they look at are um, quite diverse. We have been funding some programs like 
like the Wisconsin uh, Yield and Persistence Project pretty much since it started. Um, and that just kind of helps track alfalfa yield and kind of monitor that throughout Wisconsin. But there are other projects, and they go from agronomic practices to feeding practices. And one of the nice benefits of funding local researchers is that then they can come out to some of these local events and spread the information with their farmer members. What are the benefits of being a member of the Midwest Forage Association? As an individual, if you're joining MFA, in most cases, the dues are $50. Um, but for that $50, there is a variety of things that you get. Certainly, our focus is on education and research and helping farmers get the information that they need to be more productive or be more profitable. Um, but there are some tangible take-it-home uh, benefits of being a member as well. For one, you get the Forage Focus magazine. Um, we also have a newsletter that our members are able to get. And then we have a lot of industry uh, supporters that want to help um, make MFA successful. And so one of the things that they do is they offer coupons to all the members. So there's special deals uh, that you can turn in when you buy a variety of products or in a few cases, just straight up just turning it in for free. You don't have to buy anything. Um, and all of the coupons have more than a $50 value so the farmers can make their money back up right away. You mentioned your local councils. What do the local councils do and how do they benefit the overall picture of MFA? Um, so we have several local councils throughout Minnesota and Wisconsin. Um, in Wisconsin, a lot of our local councils are still on a county level. So they are groups like the Manitowoc County Forage Council, the Atagami County Forage Council. Um, these are groups often in a certain county of the farmers and the industry members that are um, dairy or beef or maybe just growing forages uh, to sell out into those markets. And by fostering these local councils and helping support them, it's uh, a much smaller community. It's actually where MFA gets our grassroots support. So we can go to the local councils. We can see what issues are um, directly affecting these folks. And they're often the people that help play in and support the researchers and things like the Midwest Forage Research Program. So the, the researchers need the farms to go out and collect data from, and so they support in the research projects. Um, and then there is county-based meetings so that we can distribute our information in a more direct and you know intimate setting. So our different local councils are how MFA kind of gets its grassroots support. We draw up from a lot of them, as well as individual members that come from areas outside of our local councils. How do the programs that you guys have benefit farmers, but also the community members as a whole? A lot of what MFA works on, we actually do that in collaboration with the National Alfalfa and Forage Alliance. Um, so MFA plays in with NAFA. We are the largest regional hay affiliate of NAFA, and we do have uh, farmer board members from MFA that also sit on the National Alfalfa and Forage Alliance board. Um, and through that, we are able to take a uh, larger scale approach. So some of the things that we've advocated for um, are forage positions to remain at the universities. Um, and we've also advocated for ARS funding for forages. For Wisconsin specifically, um, that has resulted in a hiring of a forage specialist position um, that's been vacant for a long time since Dan Undersander retired. And so recently that position was filled and MFA was part of the folks who were able to advocate and help in that um, selection process. But we are seeing success where um, ARS 
CRS is getting annual million dollar bonuses to go into funding uh, forage research. In Minnesota and Wisconsin, we have uh, two ARS forage facilities. One is the U.S. Dairy Forage Research Center. And so those operations are getting a lot of benefits and funding from that. They're able to hire new people um, and do more of the work in the Midwest region. We work on different programs like emergency uh, disaster responses. There was programs like the CFAP payments. So originally when the CFAP payments came out, uh, Alfalfa was a noticeable omission. Farmers could not um, receive any payments for that program uh, because of our work with NAFA. We kind of helped them um, do some public awareness and work with lawmakers out in D.C., and we were able to get included in the CFAP 2 payments. So that was something that was not available for farmers. Uh, alfalfa is a very large crop, uh, fourth most valuable field crop in our nation, and so when it's not included in these programs, it can be a negative. And it could be a negative for the community as a whole as well because alfalfa and other forages, grasses, they are very um, environmentally friendly. Uh, they do a lot of the same aspects that you would find out of a, like a cover crop system. And so it's good to have these in the landscapes. It's good to have them in the rotations. But if farmers aren't getting incentivized not to put alfalfa and not to put these crops onto their farming practices, then that can have a, a lasting impact. What work are you guys doing to help Midwest farmers and really make sure their best interest is kept in mind with the upcoming farm bill? Ooh, we've been doing a lot of work with the um, upcoming farm bill and in the past farm bills as well. Um, so we, again, we leverage our affiliation with the National Alfalfa and Forage Alliance, so MFA can have a voice in that process. Um, in past farm bills, we were able to get uh, a research program authorized specifically for alfalfa and alfalfa systems. When that program was authorized in the past farm bill, it was the first time that alfalfa was specifically ever mentioned in a farm bill. Um, new things that we are working on, um, again, we'll go on looking at the environmental benefits that alfalfa and other forages can add to the landscape and making sure that uh, farmers are not being directed to do something else because of other more economically favorable practices. And so making sure of things like that when um, they are looking at climate smart crops that alfalfa and forages are included in that. That was Chelsea Russell, the local council director for the Midwest Forage Association. To learn more, go to MidwestForage.org. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.